Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the fifth episode of your team number, the Amazing Race 32 recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who, if you've listened to our Belgian Mole podcast, you'll know he's used to getting whipped cream in his face, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the lady whose oubliette seemed to have had a plumbing issue recently, also known as the children, Michelle Pierce Denovan. I'm very confused by that statement. Good morning. Did you say oubliette? Yeah, oubliette. I thought we'd go French. It's, um... It, it's basically a hole in the ground. It's what I keep accusing you of keeping your children in. Oubliette. Okay. Oubliette, yeah. Ah, right. Never heard the term oubliette before. No, I haven't. No. Yeah, it's sort of, um, it's basically the French medieval word for a hole in the ground. Right. Wow. Learn something new every day. Google defines it as a secret dungeon with access only through a trapdoor in its ceiling. Right. Usually found in castles more than anything. The more you know. <laughs> so previously, teams raced to France and then had to do the Paraguayan detour again and then had to, um, for some reason, shout whether they were yielding people and eat the raw ingredients of a cake before a controversial elimination for James and Will. Oh my gosh, please. Please. <laughs> Start again and do the real thing. I don't know why no one trusts us anymore. It's not like we've done five separate fake recaps now. (laughs) It's like a Halloween special for The Simpsons. (laughs) Exactly. That was just fake recap V. What can we say? (laughs) Treehouse of fake recaps. Yeah, it's just, it's an annual tradition now that at some point when we get the excuse we're going to do a fake recap, and let's be honest, things did kind of fall in our lap this week (laughs) with being able to do it. With the fact that Logan and I had seen the fifth episode long before anyone else had. With the fact that, you know, it wasn't that far from the truth. I did use my episode five notes a little bit in the fake recap. It's just, we may have made it a bit sillier. Sadly, this time we didn't fool any of the contestants, because that has happened before. And that (laughs) person shall remain nameless, because I'm thinking of one person in particular who got about halfway through our fake recap in their season and went, this didn't happen, and believed it up until that point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so previously for realsies this time eight teams raced to Asuncion in Paraguay Leo and Alana confronted James and Will after the U-turn but the alliance of five continued helping each other leading to James and Will winning the leg Gary and D'Angelo stumbled but it was Kaylin and Haley who were saved from elimination fumbled Phil intentionally used an NFL term yeah no I, I didn't know because I'm me <laughs> and teams must now fly to Paris in France and drive themselves to the Domaine de Chantilly and it is James and Will leaving at 1.41am, Michelle and Vic at 1.55, Leo and Alana at 2.35, Riley and Madison at 2.39, Apana and Ishvar at 3.11, and then the remaining three teams at some mysterious time, because we don't get any sort of departure time. Yeah, why? Why would they do some and not the others? Because it wasn't evidently relevant, because those teams were going to get on the second flight. But it doesn't change anything. I'm going to do the exact same rant I do every single time, which is... You need the departure times just for nerds like us who actually want to see these things. It doesn't add anything to the episode when you remove them. There was a, a fan on one of the fan pages that was going on like like you do about these times last week. They just wanted to know what time Kaylin Haley came in that other that other leg. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Normally it doesn't actually matter that much and I'm not gonna be raging about it, but this time I'm genuinely interested as to what the difference in departure time was between Gary and D'Angelo and Kaylin and Haley. Because as we discussed actually last week, Kaylin and Haley checked in pretty much at sunrise. So I'm genuinely interested to see how far behind Gary and D'Angelo they actually were and what time Gary and D'Angelo checked in. Did we need another Paris visit? I mean this wasn't really that much of a Paris visit, was it? Half of the leg wasn't within the city bounds really i was thinking this like when you compare it to other visits to paris and the amazing race like this really could have taken place in a lot of different french cities in that area or even just western europe in general like you could have used those type of castles and say germany and gotten away with the same tasks actually all the all the tasks could have been pretty interchangeable with say, like, trying to replicate 
you know, 18th, 19th century Germany. Yeah, the only thing that was uniquely French in this leg was Chantilly cream. Yeah. And that obviously had the had the hilarious side effects of production getting their own back on the races. <laughs> but other than that, there wasn't really that much Frenchness in this leg. Having said that, I would much rather have a Paris leg than a London leg because Paris is at least a little bit more representative of France than London is of the UK. Americans have such a perception of London as being exactly what you you'd see in a Charles Dickens novel. And Amazing Race does nothing to sort of dissuade you from that cockney yoldy rhyming slang thing. And it's really irritating. <laughs> well, it's irritating for you because you're English. I quite like it. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about the Sydney legs we've had, they were far less stereotypical than the London yeah. legs we have. Yes. Well, we don't have as much of a culture as you you guys have, though. We're pretty bland. Yeah, but there's so much more to the UK than London. Correct. And the thing is, I've got to get these arguments in now because we're not doing it for 33. Ha, ha. So we begin the episode proper with Will saying he knows how to drive a manual car and he's practiced before. Uh, yeah, about that. And Michelle and Vic say they're complete opposites. Victoria is a peacekeeper. Michelle is a bit more dramatic. That sounds appropriate for our podcast. Um, Michelle's facial expressions in the cab on the way to the airport initially. Oh, my God. I was laughing my head off. I thought, oh, this is gold. She's looking directly at the camera. <laughs> Just to give her, her her expression, like not many people just do that, just look straight at the camera to give their expression. <laughs> I don't know what it is about people who, who are called Michelle, but she's very dramatic. <laughs> I could never be Victoria's teammate because, my God, with the knuckle cracking. I mean, you'll put up with everything else, but the knuckle cracking is a deal breaker. Oh, I hate when people crack their knuckles. Oh, it's like one of the worst sounds in in the world I can think of. But I would be, I'd be, I mean, no wonder Michelle is dramatic because I would be dramatic just from hearing those knuckles crack in the taxi and knowing I have nowhere to escape. She can keep cracking her knuckles and I can't do anything to stop her. The best thing is while Logan's talking, I'm literally trying to crack my knuckles. I heard, I heard you and I thought you're not doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, about 10 seconds after Logan started ranting about cracking knuckles, I was cracking my knuckles, so mm-hmm. I'm sort of running on fumes of cracking my knuckles. Like, I don't even like it to the point that I refuse to play Sonic and Knuckles. Like, I, I, like you gotta have tails in there, you can't have knuckles. And Alana says she last went to Paris when she was 13, and when she last went, she had a crush on a boy called Steven. Not Fishback. Oh, what about reality, Steve? Yeah, it, it could indeed be Reality Steve. Maybe that's where he uh, he dipped his toe into the water of um, of reality TV spoiling, was uh, was that he met Alana in Paris and fell madly in love with her, and then uh, and then she spurned him. I wonder if that Steve is watching this season. What, Alana's Steve or Reality Steve? Al- Alana's Steve. I would assume not, because the implication is that he was French. Ah. Uh. And as far as I'm aware, they don't broadcast actual amazing race in france hmm. so he's he's gonna he's never gonna know about this crash they're more into speaking express in france and riley says that he's basically fluent in driving a manual car as he lived in europe did he mention that before i don't know i think other than volleyball it's the only thing i know about riley madison yeah i don't think riley madison have mentioned anything other than riley having lived in italy and uh, and learning how to drive a manual car there even in, even in their bio, it was, we're professional volleyball players. Oh, by the way, Riley lived in Italy for five years. And talking of teams who are, let's be honest, only saying one thing in this entire race, Ishwar says that he came onto the race thinking it would show off his strengths. Not so much. I thought that was a very good quote. He's like, I, I came on the race expecting to highlight my strengths for everyone to see, but instead it just shows all of my weaknesses. And I'm thinking that kind of sums up Ishwar and Aparna's race through the first five episodes. Yeah, their average is not brilliant, even for a team who are doing okay. Yeah, for a team that's never been last, but never won a leg either. Yeah, Ishwar and Aparna are on 5.6 at the moment, which puts them third bottom out of the remaining seven teams. And actually, out of the remaining eight teams. Uh, So, 
The first four teams are on a flight landing at 7.50am, and the other four are on a flight landing at 8.05am. Wait, they're not making them all get the same flight? They practically are. 15 minutes, I mean, people have yield hourglasses that are longer than the difference in flight time. And Big Easy. Uh, But people have, yeah, like, especially when you're flying 15 minutes... Like the other plane could just be a little bit faster, even in the air. Not even because of delays at the airport, and then get the lead on the first flight. The best thing is, of course, they're all traveling with um, with hand luggage, which means that there is a very real chance that every time they fly through an airport, they do get asked by the baggage handlers, "Why have you got an hourglass in your uh, hand luggage?" That's a little bit weird. <laughs> what are you What are you trying to time? <laughs> They go through the security scanners and it's just like everyone gets flagged because of the hourglasses. <laughs> and you have until the sand runs out to provide an adequate explanation for this. And then we get to <laughs> probably one of my favourite scenes for a long while, which is Will just struggling to drive the car. It's so funny. Especially as he talked such a big talk about knowing how to drive a manual car and he'd practice before they went on the race and it's like I know you practice well, but you obviously didn't practice enough. He said he kept trying to start it in third. He must have kept trying to put the put it to the left or to the right instead of in the opposite direction. Or I don't know. I mean, don't they all have numbers on them anyway? Yeah, the first thing you do if you get into an unfamiliar <laughs> manual car is you check where first gear is and whether you need to lift up the thing to uh, lift up the gear stick to move into first gear because some of them you do, some of them you don't. Some of them that's uh, that's reverse when you have to lift the uh, the button to do it. It's obviously the race. He's not concentrating very well and he's just going full pelt just trying to get the car going and oh, fans are scathing, aren't they? I realized how similar Leo and I are because before the episode aired, he uh, posted a a meme onto Instagram where it shows him running out of the car to help Will, and he used a ludicrous song to accompany it. And I'm thinking, I think I've referenced that song about five or six times in my blog alone, <laughs> and maybe even more than that. Yeah, I'm thinking more and more that Leo and Alana are our sort of people. Hmm. So yeah, Will struggles to get out of first gear, and sadly for Michelle and Victoria and Leon and Alana, they are stuck behind Will. Riley and Madison are getting a huge advantage, because those guys suck. At least according to Alana. How much of an advantage did they get? Because Riley and Madison, for the rest of this leg, only see a team as they're exiting the task. So I'm thinking, it's gotta be at least 20 minutes that Will was stuck in, stuck in there for. At least. The thing is, we didn't actually see the teams get to their cars. So Riley and Madison could have picked the one that was way closer to the exit. Mm. But also there's the the added complication, I guess, of the fact that it had been snowing. So obviously, they made sure the cars were in the covered car park rather than in an outside car park like they usually are. But if they're in an outside car park, it would have been much more easy for uh, Michelle and Vic and Leo and Alana to actually you know, move around them because there would have been more space. They were trapped by the fact that there was the uh, that there was the winding ramp, and they were indoors. So the snow meant the cars went indoors, which then meant that um, that Leo and Alana and Michelle and Vic got stuck behind James and Will. It gives me nightmares to uh, to the was it the River Rock Casino in Richmond in Vancouver there because they have a car park too. And boy oh boy, you get you get stuck behind the wrong car, you can be in there for a while. <laughs> The irony is, of course, the reason that it was inside was because of the snow, and they obviously didn't want teams to struggle to get out of the car park because there was a bit of snow or slush around. So they didn't want teams getting stuck, and it ended up with James and Will causing teams to get stuck. Will's bigger than any pile of slush in Paris. So Leo, despite the fact they U-turned him, ends up running out to help Will. Help? I don't know if help... Is what how I would describe what happens. No, it will. It one hundred percent was help, and I'm saying this as someone who drives a manual car. Do you drive a manual or an automatic? Out of interest, Michelle, I think you've said you drive an automatic. Automatic, before. Jesus! I've driven. I had a couple of um, lessons on manual, um, and I am not good. Seriously, <laughs> well, I was waiting at some lights, 
in a um, place called Manly, which um, Logan would know, and the lights turned green. I didn't get off. I didn't, I didn't get off the lights, didn't get off the lights. All the cars around me went through the lights. Lights turned red. I tried again, couldn't get off through the next set of lights and then got through the third set. Like I couldn't. I just can't get the two pedals to coordinate to go forward. Oh, my God. See, I know, I know this is overly long about driving anyway, but there's two things I've got to say on this. So, number one, I, I am the only one of the three of us who drives a manual car. The most important lesson you learn when you're driving a manual car or learning to drive a manual car is how to do a hill start. This was Will's problem. I suspect Will had only tried to drive on flatland or in a parking lot. It's a completely different kettle of fish when you're trying to start a car on a hill because you have to get the bite perfectly on the clutch. Otherwise, you are just going to stall or roll backwards. Obviously, you have to make sure it's in first gear first, which he didn't. But it's so much more difficult to start a car on a hill if you're not used to it on a manual car. And number two, more importantly, is there is a little bit of irony in the fact that Will's from Texas, because I had the completely opposite experience when I went to Texas in March and tried to drive an automatic car for the first time ever. And it frazzled my brain for a good day or so when I was trying to drive an automatic. But it's easy. It's easier once you get used to it. But when you're used to driving a manual car like I am, it fries your brain to not have a clutch. I'm so used to using a clutch. Yeah. But really, mm, I mean, you've only got one thing to do, so it's it's just easier. It is, but you have a lot less control. Yeah. Yeah, in a manual car, especially when you're moving off, you have a lot more control when you're um, when you're using the clutch than if you just put it into driving an automatic. Why did you? Why do you have a manual car? Because most people in the UK drive manual cars, and the thing is, in the UK, we're getting deep dive into this now. I know. In the UK, if you have a manual license, you have a license to drive automatic cars as well. If you have an automatic license, you can't drive a manual. You're not allowed to on UK roads. Oh, really? Oh, we can, but yeah, badly. You can learn to drive in a manual, which then gives you the ability to drive a manual or an automatic on UK roads, or you can learn to drive in an automatic, which only gives you access to automatics on the roads. I will take your guys' word on this. And Logan's just sit- sitting there silent because he's like, I don't even drive. And if I was on Amazing Race, Ryan would be doing all the driving. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I'm almost at the, made it to 30 without a driver's license. And, and moving to Manila is not going to help that. <laughs> so in response to what you said about an hour ago at this point, Logan, Leo was actually helping Will. It came across on the episode that he wasn't, but the best thing that Leo could do to get rid of this quote-unquote plumbing issue was to get them on flat ground and make it easier for Will to actually be able to try and start the car properly. That's a good point. He should have put him on a on a hill and then just bail out of the car and be like, okay, all right, you try this again, Will. <laughs> it's Will on a hill. What Leo did to actually make both his and their lives easier was he moved him off the ramp onto a flat bit where Will could actually practice on, you know, finding the bite using the clutch. And also get him out of the way so that him and um, him and Michelle and Victoria could, you know, move. Yeah. I wish they would have just all, like, just if Leo was bitter enough to not help, so they were all just stuck there, and then Riley and Madison finished the whole leg before the teams have exited the car park. I think Phil would be really, like, what would happen if nobody helped Will? Like, how pissed off would production be? The irony is, of course, that the other four teams 15 minutes later would have then got stuck behind those three teams as well. <laughs> just stuck there for hours I think genuinely what would have happened is if Leo hadn't have done it someone else would have got out and moved James and Will out of the way but it then probably would have eliminated James and Will anyway because let's be honest if they were stuck on that ramp they would have really struggled to work out they were in third until Will got to a flat location where he could actually breathe and try and work out how to drive a car <laughs> Breathe, breathe is key. Um, how fast was Leo running? Jesus. Very. Leo is is like big into his running. This is something that hasn't come up yet, but Leo is like properly into his, his running, I think. He was at speed. He was just hell mill. It goes back to what they said in the Hollywood Bowl. Just because they look nerdy, it lulls teams into a false sense of security and not that they're actually quite athletic because they both are. So Leo and Alana say in a confessional that they don't want anyone to think that they're petty or vindictive over the U-turn, but they remember. And then Will has a title sequence in Choosing Breakdown, 
And as I note, he'll get it straight away afterwards, though. And shocker, he gets it straight away afterwards, though, because he was pushing it into a third gear. And once teams get to the Domaine de Chantilly, they find a roadblock, which is who has an eye for art. And in this roadblock, one team member must enter the chateau and match an actor from the party to a painting on the wall. Once they make a match, they need to bring their actor and note the artist to get their next clue. It looks freezing. It was. It's November in France, Michelle. It's not a warm place. But it, but I was there in January, but it looked so cold. Phil looked like he was freezing his ass off. Is that the first time I've? Is that the first time Phil has worn a toque? The first time in a while. I'm I'm trying to think how cold it actually was that winter. Where was I in? I came back from Singapore, like the very back end of October, so probably a couple of weeks before they were in France, and it was pretty damn cold. I think we had quite a bad winter in Europe that year. That year actually. Mm. Yeah, but 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 Phil just doesn't wear toque. No, it's obviously pretty much two years ago this week that um that they filmed this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a long time since I've tried to work out what the weather was, but it I seem to remember it was quite a cold winter that year. So it is Riley, Alana, James Hung, Aparna, Victoria, Gary, and Haley doing this roadblock. And Michelle and Vic ask for directions on their way to the Demand de Chantilly, but they were only vague. What is going wrong there? Like, they're driving. They're dri- I, I don't understand. It wasn't that far apart all the things they, they were quite close yeah the demand of chantilly was about 30 kilometers north of of Charles de gaulle airport i think and then the museum and the pit stop were probably a couple of kilometers apart mm-hmm. but it is to skip towards the end of this episode it is one of the all-time amazing race driving fuck-ups for want of a better term I have no idea how they managed to get that lost. Yeah. Somebody did a really good detailed post on Reddit. They did, because I, I saw that um, that map as well. And at one point, they were pretty much around the corner from the museum and asking for directions, and they just kept going in circles, basically. Well, somebody had the theory that they were looking for a place that looked museum-y. Yeah. And that they refused to turn left at a certain spot where they needed to turn left, and they were probably at that same intersection four or five times why did they refuse to turn left i don't know i can't remember the whole reddit post but they're they're thinking somebody was probably that michelle and victoria were looking for something more museum-y and just for whatever reason didn't want to turn down the correct spot five or six or seven times in those seven hours (laughs) and in another subplot of this season which we did actually briefly mention in the fake recap on uh, on wednesday but i'm going to bring up again I don't understand who we're meant to root for out of Leo and Alana and James and Will. It's such an oddly told storyline that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Because we have James here saying that Leo is mean even when helping them. And it's just like, both teams I really like. And it just seems like a really petty feud. Or Leo's communication with the camera as Will and James walk into the roadblock. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about that soon. (laughs) Because that's brilliant. But it's just so weird how they're telling this this story of James and Will versus Leo and Alana. And I kind of don't understand what the storyline is. Like a time, bo- a time bomb of revenge? Yeah, it feels like Leo and Alana are eventually going to get revenge on James and Will. But as soon as they do, that storyline ends. And then what's the actual resolution? Maybe they they both knock each other out. Well, that's, that is the resolution when it happens. That's, that's the end. Hopefully. Or maybe it never happens. <laughs> it's the sort of storyline they don't tell very often, is what I'm saying. We've ne- we haven't had this sort of a, a weird storyline for a couple of seasons in that I genuinely don't know whether Leo and Alana are going to get their revenge on James and Will. And I don't know whether it'll be as satisfying as maybe production want it to be if it happens. Well, maybe it's the only, but it's the only sort of friction that's happening in the whole cast because everyone loves each other. So they've got to hang on something, I suppose. Yeah, it's just, it's really oddly told because if you tell this sort of a storyline, you want it to be a satisfying resolution. But I don't feel like James and Will are being made out to be the villains here. And I don't feel like Leo and Alana are either. It's just kind of a, eh, ending if, if Leo and Alana get their revenge, I think. I don't think it'll necessarily be satisfying if Leon and Alana do get their revenge 
And I don't think it'd be satisfying if James and Will U-turn them again, for example. Yeah, they use the U-turn, or another U-turn, and then use their yield hourglass the following leg. Yeah. Stop doing this to us! Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> so Riley at the robot tries matching up colours, but that doesn't work. And then he spots the guy with a moustache, obviously, because their personality is beards, and leaves in first. And teams must now run around the corner and whip Chantilly Cream so it doesn't fall out of the bowl and fill four pies to get their next clue. And Alana says that she hopes her Master's of Fine Art degree will help, and she loves museums. She's an art monster. Art monster sounds like a title given to somebody who unlocks an achievement in a video game. Congratulations, <laughs> you unlocked the art monster achievement. Here's a trophy. She is both an art monster and, according to Reddit this evening, an unrepentant stat yeller. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been part of mine and Leo's conversation this evening. <laughs> well, thank you. Leo and Alana's new title is Unrepentant Stat Yellers, because that's why uh, James and Will apparently u turn them. And we also see Kaylin struggle to drive a manual car. And then, as Logan alluded to earlier, there is a brilliant cut between Leo's confessional talking about Will and James and then them walking in immediately, which is probably the most memeable moment we've seen in Amazing Race for ages. I'm I'm trying really hard to understand some of the, but some of them are, are, are putting these lines there, and I'm like, I don't think that even makes sense. Like I've seen maybe four different memes of that. I don't understand most of them. Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't think yours made sense. What was yours? <laughs> what the <laughs> the ratings one? We're actually going to touch on that at the end of the episode. Um. So the, the idea of the meme is that up the stairs is the goal. Yes. And then the thing to get in the way is James and Will. Mm. So in that example, another season is the goal. Amazing Race is Leo. And the thing to get in the way of another season is, of course, the fact that it dropped 350,000 viewers week on week. Okay. And maybe maybe I did understand that one. It was it must have been something else. Some, uh, quite a few people made one. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have been a bit culpable to making a few of those. There are some that I can't spread because they're a little bit mean. So Alana is second to leave the roadblock, and she does ask when she reads the clue about the whipping Chantilly cream whether they can smash the pies in the face of everyone else in the race when they're done. <laughs> little does she know. It's just free pie for everybody. Yeah, how little she knows about what's about to happen to her. How can a pie just be cream? What was in the cream? Can anyone tell me? It's um, it's normal cream and then vanilla is what Chantilly oh, is. Oh, that all? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever whipped cream? I have whipped cream only once because I have a food processor to do it. It takes so long. No, by hand. Have you whipped it by hand? Yeah, I've, I've whipped it by hand once and then yeah. I use a, uh, a food processor. My God, it takes forever. And your arm is burning. It's like, I gotta stop. <laughs> I, I, I tried it for the first time when I was 19, but I just really wasn't, wasn't into that. Makes your forearms very strong. <laughs> yes. And James gets a rejection, and then he leaves on the second attempt. And then Hung focuses on the guy who looks like Jesus and leaves him fourth. I wasn't there. And Victoria says she has an eye for everything. Does she have an eye for art, like the actual subject matter? She has an eye for art, the post from V is the Mole? No, she has a she has an eye for art off of Art and JJ. What they didn't <laughs> mention in this uh, yeah. in this task is that you got an immediate clue if you picked out Art and JJ, who who were dressed in some of the female Renaissance clothing. Yeah, just art in all of these costumes and fake beards and mustaches. <laughs> And in further proof that Kaylin and Haley are probably our sort of people as well, Kaylin gets stressed when trying to drive to the demand to Chantilly and says balls when she stalls the car. <laughs> and then Apana gets rejected, and Michelle leaves in fifth before Apana gets a second no. And then we get the confessionals about Gary being a Renaissance man. He, this was quite a confessional there. He shows off a lot of art knowledge in the span of that 30 second confessional. They're another team who I just don't get what they're trying to tell us with, with them because they've got at least two of the um, the episode titles so far. And it's like, 
Gary and D'Angelo really aren't in these episodes much. I want to rant about the episode titles. They just blatantly spoil a team who's going to still be in it in a couple more episodes. It's it's episode seven, that one. Yeah, I can't. We're not going to say the title because it's just like, who else would that freaking apply to? <laughs> that is next week, to be fair. Okay, but but we knew that. But I saw that episode title. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> two episodes ago, and it's like, well, I guess I know who doesn't get eliminated by episode seven. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The episode titles have been really weak, but like two of the five episode titles so far have been um, have been Gary and D'Angelo quotes. In fact, specifically D'Angelo quotes. Well, D'Angelo's always a very quotable guy all throughout these episodes. He is, but there are better quotes from other people as well. Yeah, I'm just saying that D'Angelo's been a solid confessionalist all the way throughout so far. He provides good, good, quick sound bites. Kind of like, well, kind of like a pro athlete. <laughs> kind of like a pro wrestler, or a pro wrestler. Yes. Oh yeah. A former pro wrestler, <laughs> shall we say? Because he was one. And Aparna gets five rejections before Kaylin and Haley arrive, and then Gary leaves in sixth after one attempt. Aparna gets a seventh rejection, and then finally leaves after fifteen attempts. It was like Amazing Race Canada. And Riley and Madison saying confessional that they've not won anything since two thousand and seven. And their dad owns a cookie restaurant. And once they've whipped enough cream for the pies, they have to deliver their pies inside a marquee in the garden. What they don't know is that production members are in that tent and about to throw pies at their faces. And they are good shots. Oh, they are very good shots. But there are so many great stories from this bit of the task. Because I can't remember who it was, but someone put on Instagram that they they went into the tent and saw their friends from production and then immediately got clocked right in the face. Yeah, I think it was Callan Haley. One of them said that. It was brilliant. And yes. unsurprisingly, our, our banner is coming from this task this week. It is, um, it is the lovely Hung with her hat over her face. <laughs> I know, so many of them can't see to get to the end. It made me laugh so hard. Her <laughs> and Aparna both got clocked right in the face, but it was just a perfect shot that the hat just immediately fell straight down. Hung needs a helmet. <laughs> like, what? she keeps getting hit in the face somehow. The best thing is the fact that it happened so early to Hung that she had to go through, like, 80% of the marquee carrying two Chantilly cream pies, not being able to see a thing and having to follow Cheese voice. I wish, or what? It just reminded me of the movie Spaceballs, where you know Lord Helmet has just is is just going all wild, and and uh, Bill Pullman's character just puts his hand on his forehead so he can't move, just with how disoriented he is. That's what it reminded me of. What would have made the scene better is if, as soon as uh, as soon as uh, Hung couldn't see, if she just veered off to the left and just crashed into the side of the tent. That would have just capped the entire scene. I can't see. I'm so disoriented. Gee. Yeah. I think it says it all that when we see a team have that happen to them, we spent far more time with it happening to Hung and Chi than we did with it happening to Iparna and Ishwar. Well, Iparna and Ishwar just get through these, like, they have 15 attempts, but they don't really get phased by it too much. They react to struggles like normal people do. Yeah, it, that's the thing. We're seeing so little of Aparna and Ishwal that genuinely I have no idea what they even thought about that happening. Yeah, like when they... T I don't know, it's like they can't add too much substance to the episodes that they're in so far. They don't have they don't have big reactions to anything. They don't have big reactions to when they exceed or when they get rejected, except for maybe the bottle task. That'd be about it. Um, I've just found something. I was just looking at Instagram while you were talking. Um, Shocker. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I've just, Don't mind us, Michelle. We're just having a nice conversation whilst you, well, whilst you look I for things. I wasn't going to add to that bit anyway. But um, <laughs> one of the editors has put on um, a video of Kayla and Haley in the, in the tent going backwards. Oh, my God. Oh my, I've just tagged you. It was, it was so good. Pies going backwards is good as well. That's the thing. This task is the only actual French one in the entire um, in the entire leg. But also, it's done entirely for comedy value. There, there was no change for any team in positioning in this entire challenge. There was no reason for it to be there other than it being hilarious. 
And they weren't trying to get the pies out of their hands. They were literally all of them going for their heads. They were just going for the head. They were taking four legs of frustration out of them. (laughs) Please have some animosity towards another team. Slap. Please go and fight with someone. Yield them. Slap. (laughs) Do something interesting, please. (laughs) Slap. I should note that Riley and Madison are so far ahead that when Hung gets blinded by the pie in the face, that they're already at the yield. Like, they, this is a legitimate lead. It was genuinely very difficult to structure my notes for this leg because Riley and Madison are just so far ahead. And then Kayla and Haley are consistently so far behind. Yeah, and it's entirely James and Will's fault. So, teams must now drive themselves to the Musée d'Art Foraine. Caution, yield ahead. And Riley and Madison tell James and Will and Hung and Chi on the way out that the pies get thrown. Their alliance is only with those three. Gary and D'Angelo are also in the alliance, but it's not as strong. And just like most of the season, Aparna and Ishwar do not get mentioned. It's a sub-alliance. It's, it's a five-team alliance that has a three-team alliance inside of it. We do not see it that often on The Amazing Race. It's basically an onion alliance. It really is. <laughs> Ogre sub layers, <laughs> onion sub layers. And as teased in the fake recap, I have exactly one note for the speed bump, which is that Kaylin and Haley have to clean the riding gear for two horses to be able to continue onto the roadblock. That's our speed bump chat. Leo stays grinning when he gets pied, and James says thank God for alliances because they're the only ones who are actually mentally prepared for the abomination that's about to happen to them. That spoils the fun. It does. Like, I think I think that's part of the reason that maybe people aren't as high on this season is because everyone gets a slightly easier time because everyone's just providing advice for each other. So the genuine shock and surprise, especially if James and Will had had no idea that pies were going to be flung at their face, that would have been a great moment to see on TV, but instead they know exactly what to do and they just dodge all of it. Yeah, like James and Will are the only ones who don't really have a fun reaction to this task because they're the only ones who are really mentally prepared for it. Even though Hung and Chi got warned... All of that goes straight out of the window as soon as Hung gets a pie straight to the head and her hat falls down, which is a brilliant television moment. I will not begrudge them in the slightest for that. That moment on its own justifies this task's inclusion. However, James and Will are just kind of, yeah, we got pies chucked at us. Mm. There was no real problem. And that's the thing. It would have been genuinely interesting for James and Will to have actually had to face that properly just to see how they would have coped, because we've had a big thing, especially with the bottle dance last week, of Will's balance maybe not helping him as much. And it would have been genuinely interesting to see how he would have dealt with it if he'd not been prepared for it. But I think I think that sort of stuff is the reason why people aren't high on the Alliance in this season in particular, is the fact that the Alliance is so sort of blandly dominating. And I love pretty much all of the teams in the alliance i'm certainly not criticizing them for doing an alliance or anything but the problem is as a group they are less fun than as individuals that's a good point because we've had i mean we started this team with the we had or it started the season with 11 teams and the five team alliance has made it through to the top seven and there is a very real chance that they could get together to the final six or the final five and they've won all of the they've won all of the legs so far, and not and none of them have come in last yet either. So Leo stays grinning when he gets pied. James says thank God for alliances, and then Hung's hat falls over her face when she gets pied, as does Aparna's when she eventually turns up. And Michelle and Vic really struggle to find it. And then Riley and Madison choose not to yield, and they find out that it is a surprise second roadblock, which is who wants to step right up. Not that it matters, because it's whoever didn't do the last roadblock. So in this roadblock, the person who didn't do the last one must win three carnival games like they're on a season of Survivor to get their next clue. And it is Madison, Leo, Chi, Will, Ishwa, D'Angelo, Kaylin, and Michelle doing the roadblock. We have ski ball, or horse race ski ball, um, putting, throwing balls in mouths, and... What is oh yeah, then then trying to tip the cans over. I wish I'd known about this place in January. I would have gone there. Tin can alley is the term you're looking for, Logan. Di- di- diagonally? 
Tin Can Alley. Is what Tin it's Can called. Alley. It's the, the oh. only one of the three I actually knew. Yeah, I don't associate carnival games with France. I'll be honest. I'm sure this was a really interesting, quirky place for them to go, but I don't really associate this with France. This is what happens after how many visits to Paris now? Like ten. <laughs> I want to. I want to say five. <laughs> Does five sound right? I, I could probably Google it, but I don't want to. And then, and that doesn't even include Australia too doing doing Paris and Canada too doing Paris as well. And Haberots. Yeah, but I haven't seen that. And France itself, which technically had half of the first leg and half of the last leg in Paris. Yeah. So, yeah. Riley plays a lot of darts, and he should have done this roadblock, but he didn't. And Madison gives up on the mouth game and gets Tink and Ellie straight away, and then loses horse skee-ball, then wins that one in the second attempt, and they leave the roadblock in first. I think with the, the, the ball-throwing game is that, especially when Leo goes out there, he's like, oh yeah, I played lots of, you know, played lots of baseball growing up. But the thing is, is that the motion, when you throw the ball, you actually want to throw it like a dart. Because I remember that's what threw me off when I played a dart game for the first time, is because I was used to playing baseball. And then I remember right when we first started playing, somebody said, just if you're going to throw like a baseball, do it the exact opposite of that. Do the exact opposite motion. And that helped. Well, it's what Leo said. He said he played a lot of baseball, which kind of explains his surprised athleticism in the uh, in the car park, Michelle. But he didn't really pitch. He was more of an outfielder by the sound of things. So he's used to running around great distances to try and catch things, but not necessarily to throw them. Or, or whenever when he does throw them, it would like lob ten feet above the above the board. <laughs> I really gotta change up my technique. He just sort of worked on throwing it in the vague, general, correct direction, and then <laughs> didn't actually work on any accuracy. That's the problem he had here. The relay man messed this up. <laughs> or it would have been better because he says, "Oh yeah, I play lots of baseball growing up," but that didn't indicate. I I responded to somebody on Twitter with this. I said. That doesn't indicate his ability. All he's saying is that he played lots of baseball. He could have been completely shitty at baseball. <laughs> it's just, all he said is that he played a lot. He didn't say he was good at it. So you can't even fault him for that. So teams must now find the Pont des Arts, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in may be eliminated. Although, bear in mind, last week was a non-elimination. So the last team to check in will be eliminated. I wish they would do consecutive non-eliminations. They have to keep throwing... They have to keep switching up the elimination sequence because everybody knows oh they don't do an they don't do a non-elimination after a speed bump wrong <laughs> unless it's the 25 or 26 twist but they got to do a they got they got to throw in another non-elim here now this is really interesting do you know anything about the pont des arts in terms of amazing race no although when he said it i thought hang on have we seen or been there before on a previous season. Canada 2? Canada 2 is is wrong. They weren't far from the Pont des Arts, but it is a very important location, Amazing Race-wise, because it is the the site of two pretty infamous Amazing Race tasks, both in international seasons. It is the site of the very first task from uh, the French Amazing Race, in which teams had to use a key that was in their first clue to unlock a lock on the Pont des Arts, because it is famous for, having, for being one of the love lock bridges. However, the infamous thing about it is the fact that one team somehow, in the mile or so run to the Pont des Arts, managed to lose their key on the first leg of the race and got themselves a penalty. It is spectacularly difficult for them to do that immediately into the race. <laughs> Somebody was frazzled. And that team ended up pretty much being the fan favourites, unsurprisingly, for being very stupid. <laughs> But yeah, it, it does mean that the um, the Wikipedia for Amazing Race France does uh, does say that they lost the key on the way to the Pont des Arts task. They were able to continue racing, receiving a new key, but incurred a 20-minute penalty once they landed in Dubai. And the other infamous task that took place there is the, um, ironically for what we um, we claimed in the, uh, in the fake recap, uh, a task themed around Quasimodo from uh, Hammerox 3. <laughs> Are you serious? I am being deadly serious, yeah. <laughs> it was a um, a roadblock in which one team member had to dress up as Quasimodo, including an 8 kilogram hump on their back, 
and a woman dressed as Esmeralda would give the teams a key, and they had to use the key to unlock one of the love locks uh, to receive their next clue. For every lock that didn't unlock, their partner had to ring a bell to declare their failure in love. So yeah, the Pont des Arts is famous for being one of the love lock bridges, but also uh, the site of two pretty infamous French uh, tasks on Amazing Race. Because as soon as Phil said it was the Pont des Arts, I'm like, I recognize that from somewhere, and then looked it up. Man, I can't believe we're at the point now in Amazing Race history where the same route marker can be, or the same specific landmark can be used three more times, and it's not even the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> oh, just wait. Spoilers for the next time trailer. I recognize that building that uh, Hung is rappelling down. I know exactly what building it is just from sight. <laughs> Have you been there? Because I've been to Berlin, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and it, it's just a random hotel, but I'm pretty sure that it's been used as an Amazing Race route marker before. Well, it it sounds sensible to use the same places sometimes because if you already have a relationship with that place, it's obviously going to be easier to use that or if a franchise has a relationship with a place. It is, but there's a bit of a difference between the Pont des Arts and the park in Alexanderplatz, which is literally just a random hotel. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Have you ever seen a racer with a scarf before? <laughs> Kaylin and Haley, one of them has a scarf, a pink scarf this leg. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think we've seen scarves. Who would put a scarf in their luggage because they really need clothes in there, not scarves? They were definitely provided with cold weather stuff, Michelle. <laughs> No, but the cold weather stuff is usually just the jacket. It's not usually anything else. I think, given how cold it probably was in uh, in Paris at that point, they were they were given toques and scarves and big jackets. I just, I just, I was like, hang on a second, because it's not something you would pack. So weirdly, teams do have to get a taxi to the uh, Pont des Arts rather than driving themselves through central Paris. And Leo says he played uh, baseball in middle school, but he wasn't as good at throwing as he was at some of the other bits. And she won the horse race on his first attempt, and he is really good with hand-eye coordination. And Alana claims that they are made of magic and fairy dust, and she's straight-up jealous of Hung and Chi. And that, that's the thing. I think if in five weeks' time we're celebrating Hung and Chi as the Amazing Race winners, I will be very, very happy, because they seem like very nice, very cool people. From from what we've we've seen of them. But do you only like really cool, really nice people winning? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I think they would definitely be probably the most palatable winners of the remaining seven. Really? Yeah, because every everyone seems to like them, even, even during the race, and no one has a grudge against them, despite the fact that they are very, very dominant in terms of success on this race. They are pretty much on course to equal Dave and Rachel right now in terms of um, average. They're certainly not far off it if they win enough legs. They seem like very nice, very competent, very cool people. And I certainly wouldn't wouldn't be pissed off if Ung and Chi are our winners in five weeks' time. We also haven't had parents win, like of multiple kids win in a very, very long time. No. <laughs> Potentially, if ever. <laughs> I'm, tra- I'm trying to think who the last ones were now. How many kids do Chip and Kim or Chen and Joyce? Well, Chen and Joyce didn't have kids. That was a problem. So that rules them out. Chip and Kim, I guess. Yeah, because their kids are like graduating or like in college now, I think. I think that at the time they won, I think Chip and Kim might be the only ones I can think of. I'm really racking my brain here because we have a lot of young winners <laughs> after uh, after Chen and Joyce. Yeah, so that's why we're overdue for a parental victory because parents don't even get cast on the american version of the masonries really anymore except for like say say a situation like rochelle from season 26 where she had a kid with a guy when when she was in her early 20s and or late teens and that that's been that's been it not like married couple having multiple kids together yeah because if you think about the if you think about the way that these team storylines are being told the Leo and Alana and James and Will thing is just weird, and I can't see either of them winning right now. Caitlin and Haley, I don't think have had enough impact, at least on the race. I I love them dearly, obviously, but I don't feel like we've seen enough of them to to warrant expecting them to win. 
especially given how you know how back of the pack they have been. Gary and D'Angelo we've not seen enough of. Ishwar and Aparna are basically just engineering, engineering, engineering. We learned that their dad came to America with 20 bucks. I wonder if like before he immigrated, if he opened an envelope and it said, you have 20 bucks for this leg of the race. <laughs> Riley and Madison's personality seems to be beards. Hung and Chi are the only ones, I think, at the halfway point who I could see getting to the final leg and probably winning. I think another reason why we don't really see married parents on the amazing race is because it's really tough to get away for, you know, to have both both people within the cup, the husband and the wife, be able to get away for for um for a month, really. Unless you've got really good grandparents. Yes, exactly. That's the one thing. <laughs> really good grandparents are really good babysitters. <laughs> like when uh, Rob um, Robin Amber went to Survivor, they uh, left them all with her mum. Four girls with a, a poor grandma, but but um, I think they're good girls, so easy. So I think that's why we don't see that demographic represented as much on the race, just because it's tougher to find couples who can apply from that position. <laughs> I'm just thinking of something. Someone once said to me, so if you go on the Amazing Race, how long is it? And I said, oh, it's like three weeks, sometimes five, if you have to do publicity. He said, so can you get away from your family for that long? And I said, well, yes. Why can't I? Michelle's like, yes, 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 yes. Please cast me now. <laughs> of course I can. What do you mean? Why don't we even have to think about it? You just leave them in the oubliette, Michelle. We've already established that. <laughs> Why Why is that even a question? So yeah, Hung and Chi leaving second, with Leo and Alana in third, and James and Will in fourth, Gary and D'Angelo in fifth, the partner in Ishwar in sixth, and Michelle and Vic get so lost we actually see a clock on how long they've been in the car, which is six and a half hours. So was that just finding the one, just the carnival games from the previous route marker? I am assuming from the the sunlight that it was probably from Charles de Gaulle in total. But given they didn't really have that much trouble finding the uh, the Chantilly route marker, they were probably in that car for four hours easily. I don't understand. How? Like, you get out and you ask someone. I don't get it. It's impossible, but it's not because it happened. The irony is, of course, we can be pretty confident that Michelle and Victoria are the only team who speak French out of the final eight. <laughs> They should have been able to communicate with the locals far better than anyone else. They're better off just abandoning their cars in a certain neighborhood and just go on foot and ask everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Bergen and Kurt. That worked so well last time. So, Riley and Madison unsurprisingly checking in first, and they win a trip to Vietnam, but what do they get in particular, Michelle? <laughs> a trip to a spa. You had to know I was going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't emphasise it as much this time, so I was a little disappointed. Yeah, but you get two spas in it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I do actually have the note, which is just trip to Vietnam, comma, with double spa. I just have spa. <laughs> I, I have spa spelled with four A's. <laughs> I have it with easily ten A's on mine. <laughs> Hung and Chi checking in second, and when Phil asks them, they say that there is no time for lollygagging, which is such a brilliant word. And Leo and Alana checking in third. They say art, cooking, games and driving are a few of their favourite things. What about when the dog bites or when the bee stings? You kind of spoke <laughs> my joke there, because I was going to say if we were a lesser podcast, we would have done a parody version of The Sound of Music's My Favourite Things for Leo and Alana. But we're not. Oh, I would have. I would have sung. I love that song. Yeah, but we're not, we're not doing a wonder. I'm sorry. It's not happening. And James and Will checking in fourth, and Phil teases them for not really knowing how to drive a car. Gary and D'Angelo checking in fifth, Aparna and Ishwa checking in sixth, and then Caitlin and Hayley checking in seventh, and say, don't play with us, Phil, before Michelle and Victoria checking in last. Despite loving each other now, they are eliminated. What is with all female teams and self-drive legs? Like, this has been a recurring pattern since the very first season of The Amazing Race, where all female teams really suck at driving. And at the and they're at the bottom two, the bottom two spots. And Kaylin Haley, I don't think we're too close behind uh, sixth place this leg. Well, we've no idea. It's a whole direction thing, probably. I don't understand. 
I don't know whether I'm generalising here, but I feel like in the UK at least, it's much more common for guys to learn to drive in a manual car than girls. It's kind of the culture here in Canada too, as a general trend. And I don't know whether that factors into it, that as a general rule, Amazing Race self-drive legs do involve manual cars. So I'm I'm not sure whether it's just a case that the guys that they cast for Amazing Race are a little bit more confident with driving a manual car or something. And I mean, Michelle and Victoria were able to drive the manual car, but they just couldn't find any places. Like both, te- both all female teams were really, really far behind everybody else. I mean, the shock, the shock on Kaylin Haley's face is when they're told they're not last. Probably tells you how far behind they really were, and the fact that they didn't see a single team after they left the car park for the whole episode. Because they didn't see, they didn't even. Did they see Ishwar and Aparna at the at the art roadblock? No, like they were. They must have been like really, really far behind because Aparna had fifteen attempts at that task. I tell you what, Cannon and Haley must be having less sleep than everybody else because they don't have as much time. <laughs> well, when you think of the equalizers, say like for instance with the flights, there's a seven fifteen eight oh five a.m. flight. Everyone else is going to be waiting a lot longer for that flight than Kaylin and Haley. Probably, they probably the flight the eight oh five a.m. flight probably took off the second they cleared through security. They're like, okay, now we can take off, and it just happens to be happens to be eight oh five a.m. So next week, Berlin alliances crumble, James and Will stall again, and Hung falls apart while hanging off the park in Alexanderplatz. Hung falls apart while she's hung. Yeah. I did look this up. Uh, the park in Alexanderplatz has been a previous route marker on uh, on Amazing Race, which is why I recognise it. Amazing Race six? Uh, no, Amazing Race twenty two. Oh yeah, they had a. They had, I forgot they had a Berlin leg. It, it was the weird one where um, where the roller derby girls got non limbed I think. But according to the Wikipedia page for it, teams had to base jump off the park in Alexanderplatz. I think they did the face first repel as well. I don't think they base jumped. But either way, they've definitely been to the roof of the park in Alexanderplatz before. Interestingly, this is the first season since season 29 where the first three on the first leg are not going to be racing to the finish line. Because in both seasons 30 and 31, the teams who checked in first, second and third were also the final three teams. Not in season 32, because Michelle and Vic, of course, checked in in second on that leg. Ah, I see what you mean. Now. I thought I thought you meant like all three teams. I'm like pretty sure Hung and Chi won. <laughs> Hung and Chi and Riley and Madison are um, are obviously still in, and they came first and third respectively. But Michelle and Vic came second, and therefore the final three will not be composed of the first three teams from the first leg of this season. You said they were one of the highest ranking eighth place teams of all time, Michael. They are. They they finished with an average of four point eight, and they are the. I can't even remember the stats anymore. I've not gotten tanned, but um, they're really high up out of out of like eighty seasons. Yeah, it's it's. I think a lot of people seemed really sad that they went home this early. I'm really sad that they went home early because they were very entertaining. Hence, why I said a lot mm. that number included you <laughs> and me. The most recent eighth places that beat Michelle and Vic were um, Canada Six, which is Todd and Anna, I think. Oh yeah, I know who that is. I had to think for a second. And then before that was China 2, which was the the actual last place team as well. Uh, And then Canada 2, which was Rex and Bob, was it? Was it Rex and Bob who came in uh, in 8th on Canada 2? I think so. It's been a while since I've seen any Canada content or really talked about Mason Race Canada. Oh no, it's called Mecca Decal. Oh yes, never never give up, Ecole. Yeah, it was um, it was Cormac and Nicole who were the um, the other most recent team to beat uh, Michelle and Vic because they because it was a similar situation where they were well Nicole choked really really badly at a roadblock but Michelle and Victoria was really just all it was was just this huge blunder of not being able to find the one location because they had a lot of wiggle room to beat Kaylin and Haley this leg they probably had an easy I'd assume at one point during a leg they probably were like three hours ahead of Kaylin and Haley, if not more. And as we alluded to earlier, ratings were down quite a bit this week. Um, about 350,000 people less watched live this week as they did episode four. 
Did that bring it down below four million? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was on a is about three point nine, three point eight, I think, something like that. Other interesting fact is the most recent quiz show that I went on, The Chase, in the UK, actually had more viewers in the UK on Wednesday than Amazing Grace did in the US. <laughs> and it wasn't even close. However, the English are in lockdown and the Americans are still going out. <laughs> <laughs> the English are in lockdown, the Americans are in the hospitals. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's how it is right now. Yeah, but we also have like a fifth of the population of America. <laughs> And it wasn't even close. It was about a million difference between The Chase in the UK and uh, Amazing Race in the US. I like the one quote Gary has at the pit stop where he says, if you make a mistake, it's over for you on the race. And I'm thinking, well, Galen and Haley have made a lot of mistakes in two episodes, and they're still in it. <laughs> yeah. Stop being overly dramatic. So given we're at the halfway point now, who do you think is going to win the season? Well, I think... Hung and she have a good. Uh, I think that. <laughs> Sorry. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Okay. <laughs> I think Hung and she, Will and James have a good chance. There you go. Mr. Saunders? Riley and Madison have been very consistent. So uh, they've never been in danger. And when they stop helping other people, they'll probably win more legs. They just got to quit doing these alliances after a certain point. Yeah, put those three in there too, which is very sad that I'm saying three, well, two all-male teams. But anyway. It's just not a season where underdogs are slipping through. And we just, they, I mean, a big chunk of their competition from outside the alliance, Michelle and Victoria just went home. Like there's not really much room for opposition. Also, interestingly, uh, Abana and Ishwar are now the only team not to have placed in the top three in one leg. Yeah, just what's going on with them? They just can't get anything going against... I know it's a bit more competitive season than usual, but they just can't consistently do well at any of the legs. So do you think next week's going to be an elimination? Well, it kind of has to be because we've got two legs. Um, Do you think the first leg's going to be non-elim or the second leg? First leg will be non-elim. I think the second... Oh, no, the first. Yeah, the first will be non elim Yeah, I think it's going to be non elim in Berlin and then elimination in, I can say it now, in Almaty in Kazakhstan because it's been reviewed by CBS. Oh, God, you know how you know I'm just going to do Borat impressions the whole time, right? Yep. And the even better <laughs> thing is we've got twice the material to use next week, so we're going to have to be pretty rapid fire in our recording. <laughs> I, I assume first leg has to be non elim then the second leg be elimination because this was meant to be a two-hour episode since the beginning of the season. That's the one pairing that hasn't been interrupted. I think probably, given that we know the next two weeks are going to be double episodes, that the first half of the the episodes are going to be non-elim, and then the second half will be eliminations. Yeah. It'd be weird if you did it the other way around. I don't think we're going to get two eliminations next week, or two eliminations the week after. No. So you guys got anything else you want to say? No. No. That's it. <laughs> Michelle and Victoria are gone, and I'm upset. Reddit's upset. Twitter's upset. Everyone's uh, upset. Everyone's upset. <laughs> Do you want? Have we, have we eulogized them? I've just realized we kind of haven't. Well, we read, read their stats. <laughs> we eulogize them if we were robots. We basically did what Leo and Alana got U-turned for. We just spouted off stats about them and then moved on. They were a very interest. They're a very entertaining team overall. They had a very good dynamic. It's a shame we only got five episodes out of them, and they provided a lot of unintentional, hilarious reactions and moments. And it's too bad that they couldn't. That like they would have moments where they did really, really well, and then moments where they just did these massive blunders. And it's a shame that the moments where they did really well couldn't balance out their blunder. Their blunder this leg. It's just too bad that Frank and Jerry weren't around to balance out, say, not being able to find a clue right in front of their face for 45 minutes. Seems to be the trend for Michelle and Victoria. I will say, hand on heart, I am so happy I was wrong about Michelle and Victoria at the start of this season. In our preview, we thought they would be a very, very early boot. I am now pretty devastated that they are a mid-season boot. Um, A lot of my spontaneous laughter came from those two, if not all of it. Well, more more from Michelle than from Victoria. Yeah, but Victoria just cracks her knuckles. That still pisses me off. <laughs> Stop right. it. Anyway, 
<laughs> Thank you for listening to our Amazing Race 32 recap. We'll be back next week to recap legs six and seven. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, RTV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at Lugspukwaki. Michelle's on Twitter at Bear3333. I'm Andre Harmstone. Logan and I will also be back to recap the episode of Belgian Mole that can only be described in three words drunk museum heist on Thursday. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Bye.